Hi, and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to be talking about when life throws you curveballs, don't eat them. And we have a very special guest, my friend Vicki Griffith, who is a professional speaker and author and weight loss coach. How are you today, Vicki? I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate the invite. You are fabulous. And it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. So, um, we're, we're, right now, as we record this, folks, we're in January. You may be hearing this in March, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here anyway. Uh, there are probably a lot of people, maybe even in March, who have struggled with that New Year's resolution that so many of us have. And you may be tempted to eat that New Year's resolution, too. <laughs> Vicki's going to help us with that. But before we go there, Vicki, how did your heart lead you into this work? Well, I was always fat, so I was a chubby little baby, and you hate to start any conversation on the day I was bored, but but really, truly, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was fat, and you know, I... Can I use that the next time my wife accuses me of something? I was born that way. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Well, but see, you have the opportunity to change it at any time, and that's what happened. I was a fat little chubby toddler at about three. That's not cute anymore. And then, of course, childhood, middle school, high school, right on up through college. And I struggled with my weight. I realized I had a weight problem at 10. And I kind of knew something was going on because I always felt things were my fault because I was fat. But at 10, my mom took me to the doctor. And the doctor prescribed speed. Because that was the appetite suppressant of the day. And being a shy, reserved child, I don't think that lasted very long because <laughs> it probably brought out a child you didn't want. But that's when I knew there was something really wrong with me. That's when I had the proof for the validation in a child's mind that there was something wrong with me and there was something wrong with being fat. Ah. And so I, I struggled my entire life on and off diets, 20, 30 pounds, off, back on, plus another 10 until I was 70 pounds overweight. And I stepped on the scale and went, I can't do another diet. I just can't do it. What am I going to do? But I want to let go of this weight. And I designed my own plan that I share with my clients today, having released those 70 pounds and kept them off, which is the hardest part for 20 years. And I can testify to that. You know, I, in the course of my life, um, I have had fluctuating weight and there have been times when I haven't been pleased with it and I've done Weight Watchers and all kinds of diets. And yeah, keeping it off can be the challenge for sure. And I think a big part of that is what you, I may be wrong, I'm not the expert, but I suspect I'm right about this. A big part of it is, has to do with that, that judgment that something's wrong. Uh, and um, I know that when, I, when I've decided that something's wrong with me, you know, that, that judgment just opens the door to all kinds of critical voices and things that are not helpful when we want to make change in our lives. It's so fun you say that because that's what I comment about a lot. The first thing I did is I put myself on a mental diet and a mental diet was no judgment, no criticism about anything about myself. And what I what I came to discover is that criticism and judgment never motivates anybody to do yeah. any change. So why do we keep doing it? Isn't that interesting? Okay, so the first the first step was that mental diet. And why don't you share with us 
how it sounds really simple but i bet you it's not always so easy how how was that for you it was tough the first day i felt like caving in because one i hadn't realized how many times even subtly i was judging or criticizing myself and it happened repeatedly so it seemed like i was just barraged by it when in the past i hadn't noticed but now all of a sudden my my awareness had brought me to it and i'm like i'm never going to be able to do this which of course is a judgment and criticism all i did and again it sounds easy but i said no to that thought yeah and then the next one would come and i'd say no and the next one would come to myself i'm not shouting this across to the rooftops although that might have been a good thing to do too from my frustration from it but what was very fascinating is that over a period of a few days the time between the no from that thought and the next one got longer and longer and longer mm -hmm. to at the end of about seven days i was pretty free for the whole day without judgment. Mm -hmm. And that was such an amazing feeling to feel that freedom of judgment. So that was the first step, say no to all those negative thoughts. That must have been Be so liberating. It was, and the belief systems that you have that are not serving you, those are all programmed by somebody else for the most part and they are not necessarily true they're usually all false mm -hmm. so it's time to start saying no to them whether it's your weight or whether it's your business or it's a relationship like what you work in uh, it's time to start saying no to yourself <laughs> and, and folks if you're listening to this just get that uh, about critical voices and relationships and business uh, you know we have a saying as coaches that how you do one thing is how you do everything and uh, uh when we have critical voices in one area of our life, they definitely cross over into others. And uh, I can't tell you how many couples I've worked with where one person will say they feel criticized by the other person. The other person is clueless. They have no idea what they're doing to trigger. They're trying so hard, walking on eggshells, and they still feel criticized. You know, so when what happens over time is when we have these inner voices and they go on that they get really deep rooted and sometimes i'm not saying by the way that the other person who was clueless wasn't being critical but there were certainly times when that person was trying not to be and th th there was just it's so difficult to penetrate when when uh inner criticism is so deeply rooted it's so hard to penetrate it because there's a sense of safety even around it it's it's almost the opposite of what you would think it would be uh, and so um, that you did that in seven days, that's amazing. I did that in seven days. I'm not saying I did, had to stop stopped working on it because I didn't. It's just that it wasn't as much of a barrage of self-criticism constantly. Mm -hmm. It was it became less and less and less. Then I went on a, I'm not on a diet diet. <laughs> and so I started cutting my portions back. I was a fast food lover at that time of my life. I ate fast food at least five times a day. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, it's not healthy. It's not, and I knew that. Uh, of course, it's very calorie dense and I knew that too, but I wasn't going to give it up. So I cut my portions by ordering junior cheeseburgers, small fries, the smallest kids, you know, kid size, the smallest portion, whatever it could be. So I still got that satisfaction of the food, because that's really important to me and most of my clients as well, they don't want to give certain foods up. So we figure out how to cut back and then substitute. 
And with that, my weight started peeling off. It started melting off. It wasn't any fast, you know, 10 pounds in mm -hmm. 10 days thing. It started melting off slowly, which I was okay with as well, because I felt completely satisfied. I wasn't deprived. I wasn't hungry mm -hmm. or hangry. <laughs> from and because you hadn't implemented like a major change, you know, your, your mind wasn't rebelling. Right. Saying, oh, exactly. A smaller portion is not great, but you know, still what I like. So right. it's okay. Exactly, exactly. And we all have to do that when we want to make change. We have to make it so safe that the brain, for one, won't freak out because brain is always looking for danger and any change is dangerous. And two, that our mind doesn't freak out because it's so different from our belief systems. So those are the, the few things we have to look out for in making changes is make it so slow and, and low that you can achieve it with much less effort than you would think. So it's not going to the gym every day, seven days a week for an hour. I would never tell a client to do that. Mm -hmm. Let's do seven minutes, three times a week. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. Well, of course you can. You know what happens because it's so safe and easy? They end up doing 15 or they do 20 or they do mm -hmm. 30 because the brain and the mind's on board. They're like, oh yeah, we can do that. Good, let's do it. So it sounds like a component there's a third component. I'm hearing three pieces. The first is you, you know, going to work on your mindset so that the, at least your mind is open. That isn't going, why are you doing that? What are you doing? That's wrong. Da, 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 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the second part is incremental. I heard uh, no major changes, incremental mm -hmm. changes. And then I, I'm hearing, it sounds like um, habit forming, you know, mm -hmm. like you want to, whatever changes you're doing, you're not just going to do them in small doses, but you, but you do want, you're going to do them regularly. Uh, right. And anything that we do, I remember when I first was introduced to meditation, I was like, this is awesome. I've got to do this all the time. I'm going to do it every day. And I fell flat on my face. And one day I went to, a, I spent a weekend at a monastery and I got in front of the abbot and I said, oh, I can't start meditating. And he said, look, why don't you just do it for a couple of minutes a day? Just like you said. And then the next week, do it for three minutes a day. And the week after that, do four minutes a day. And eventually mm -hmm. you'll make it to 20 minutes a day. I was like, oh. I can do two minutes a day. You know, that was like an aha moment for mm -hmm. me, you know? And of course he was just saying what he said to the previous hundred people who had fallen on their face with it. Right, absolutely. And then there's a fourth component to this. I created a self-hypnosis recording because I realized that all of the things, the, the talk and the belief that I had about myself that was negative came from someone else, either actually saying it to me. So I believed it because they had authority or my perception like you were just talking about that couple. So one person had the perception that they were being criticized when they really, it wasn't intended to be that way. And some other evidence that I had collected throughout my life. So that fourth component was creating, changing my subconscious mind where all of that harbors and doing it. So again, it's safe for you and comfortable. And I created this recording. I listened to it, it was like 15 minutes. It was like, listened to it at night as I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened. And it feels like yesterday, even though it was 20 years ago, I walked into Wendy's intending to order my junior cheeseburger and, and small fries, Diet Coke. That's what I drank at the time. It sounded delicious. I was ready, got to the cashier. She goes, what can I get for you? And I sold the grilled chicken salad. And I literally looked behind me. I thought the person behind me just ordered. And that moment, by looking at the picture on the, the board, a menu board, I realized for the first time in my life, I wanted a salad. I ate the salad. It was delicious. It was very satisfying. 
And it's not because I had to have it because it was on the diet. It was because I wanted it. And that moment changed everything for me because it was so automatic and so at that moment subtle that I didn't even realize I'd made the change. It wasn't willpower. It wasn't struggle. It wasn't thinking about it constantly. It just happened automatically because my subconscious mind had started to shift and change. So that's actually an incredible story, by the way, the way it just happened instead of making yourself do it and being disciplined, you know, the way that you just worked with your own self, your, those inner voices until it just came out of you. Very cool. And of course, um, self-hypnosis, right? Well, anyone can do that, right? Maybe not. Um, tell us more, tell us more about the hypnosis aspect, please. Well, hypnosis has been around for thousands of years. It's, um, it's also been studied many times in many universities. And what we know, hypnosis, self-hypnosis is similar to meditation. It's similar to visualization, just giving yourself those direct, some direction on what you want to change and how it's going to be in present tense because the mind doesn't know the difference, what's real and what's not. So what ends up happening is you start acting as if it happened. Another example is a client just this week shared with me that over the holidays, a coworker brought in brownies. Amazing cook. Brownies is my client's thing. It's like her kryptonite. And she would have usually had, yeah, me too. I love them too. She would have usually had at, at least two, if not more. And they would la- they wouldn't last a day. So you want to get as many as you can, right? <laughs> Before they're gone. So at least two, probably more. And she said, she she noticed that her coworker brought the brownies in, left them in the break room. She goes, you know what? I didn't have any. And she didn't even realize that that was a huge shift for her because it was so normal. We had been working on this through her subconscious mind for quite a while. And it was normal for her just to go, yeah, I'm okay. I don't need any. Yeah. And and she didn't even realize it until we talked about it. So that's how fun this kind of stuff is, is that it can work. And it's so subtle and safe that it's, it becomes a new habit. And I just want to punch something you said for the audience. Um, you said the mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. I want you to know that's not you, Vicky, but folks, that's been scientifically studied that mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the mind really doesn't understand the difference between what we imagine and what, as long as it's experiencing, as long as it's a vivid imagining. Uh, not not casual, but like very intense. And that's why Olympic athletes, for example, will spend a lot of time visualizing themselves doing something. They'll visualize every muscle in their body in the act. And that way, when they actually do it, it, it feels natural and normal and not like something new. So this is, this is science. This isn't, uh, this isn't coachy woo way stuff. Now they've actually done studies with the, the electrograms. So they had someone sit down and well, actually they had someone go practice whatever their sport was, whether running, basketball. Well, that's why Michael Jordan was so amazing. He spent most of his time visualizing every step of putting in a basket. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they had them with those electrodes on watching the graph and then had them sit down and imagine it step by step in their mind. And the same response happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. It is so cool. And yeah. so we have, our mind has so much more power than we acknowledge or, or, or maybe some of us 
give it full credit, like Michael Jordan. Maybe that's the trick: is we need to start giving our mind full credit for what it can and what it can do. You know, with the power of imagination, and then that application of that in life. And I just, I, I want to just make a plug for a program we are launching here at Rich in Relationship. It's all about helping people imagine their future in twelve areas in their life. Um, one of them being their body, which is why you know, you're such a key mm -hmm. coach to have on the show. I, I, the 12 areas of the life of your life or six of them are sort of internal uh, body, spirit, character, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, and there's external uh, career, finance, family, et cetera, et cetera. And what, we're, what we do is we help people to set goals in these 12 areas of their lives and encourage, and give them the support to follow through on them. But very often uh, they need someone like Vicki to help them with a particular area of their life. So I wanna make sure that everyone who is exploring this program with us has a way to reach you. How do they find you, Vicki? Well, you can email me at Vicki and it's V-I-C-K-I-E at vickigriffith.com. So you can certainly email me and, and we can set up a 30 minute complimentary call to see what's going on for you. And if I have something that can help you. So I'd be glad to do that for all your listeners. And if I have a free gift for you, your listeners as well, if you're struggling with cravings, if that's one of the issues that you're having, you're trying to stick to your food program and you just can't give up chocolate covered peanuts, which used to be mine, <laughs> you can go to crushcravings.com. And I have a video series you can download that will show you how to eliminate the craving in 30 seconds or less. And these, these will, of course, be in the notes for this show. Awesome. And I actually, I'm curious, you know, it seems like you've laid out the whole program, mm -hmm. but I'm guessing that people still need you. I'm guessing that there are aspects of this that that sounds simple, but aren't so easy. What are some of the ways that you can help people with this program? And, that, and that's true. And I appreciate you saying that it is, it is simple. However, most of my clients say to me, I know what I need to do and I can't get myself to do it. And that's why we're working together. What is stopping them? What's the sabotage? Where is it coming from? And as much as we hate to admit it, especially us, that those of us that are parents, a lot of this comes from childhood. Now, it may or may not have come from your parents. It could have come from all kinds of other sources that you looked at as an authority figure. But those experiences, and sometimes they seemed pretty benign, right? The experience itself seemed benign, but then we get trying to release weight or we're trying to build a business. We want to have an amazing relationship with our partners and our kids and other relationships. And it seems hard. And that's because there's something from the past that is keeping you stuck. And that's what we investigate. We get clues about that on an everyday to day basis. So we see what's bugging you now, and then we can backtrack to find out. Now, do we know for sure? No, but most cases it, it helps in some increment. And I have ways of releasing the energy around it and the emotion around it so that you can feel the freedom, the liberty, like you talked about earlier. And it's without intensity. It's without crying. It's without those things that we think we have to do to get past it. You don't have to. May, may I make this even more explicit? Mm -hmm. So 
what Vicky's talking about is that basically from age zero to seven, all that's going on is we're being programmed. We, we basically have no ego from zero to seven. We're just little sponges absorbing everything that we're exposed to. So we all know that there are no perfect parents in the world. And so we absorb everything that's wonderful and amazing and all of their brokenness, whatever brokenness people have as well. That's why I say, no matter how good your childhood, every child probably needs some therapy because there's always something, right? And what Vicky's talking about here is all of that becomes our unconscious mind, that 70 or 80, 70 if you're lucky, more like 80 or 85% that's submerged. And how the reason why the part of me that's talking doesn't always, can't always directly impact that 80% that's submerged is there could be a lot of stuff in the way. And sometimes we need outside help to access it. I, I had a coach who told me, oh, tapping the unconscious mind is kind of like climbing out of a box and the instructions are on the outside. You know? like <laughs> somebody needs to read the instructions for you to get out. And <laughs> that's why we need people like Vicky in our lives when we're jammed up about something, it means there's, we're just some part of us, not necessarily conscious, is just unwilling to let go, but they can help us make it feel safe. They can help us identify what it is. They can help us lay the groundwork so that we become aware of what it is and gradually release and move forward. So I thoroughly encourage you to give Vicki a call. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, and one last question I ask everyone on the show, sure. what is the legacy you wanna leave behind? Well, that's really a very fascinating question. Thank you. And the legacy I want to leave behind is of course we all have legacies around that we wanna leave behind for our families. So, but pushing that aside for a little bit is that, that especially women can know that they can release the weight if they want to. If they don't want to, they can be confident, stunning women and have a very fulfilled and satisfying life. So either way, it's just letting them know that everything is possible for them mm. and to get them past the judgment, criticism and shame about our bodies and about ourselves that it doesn't need to be that way. I love that. That, and that's like the opposite of, oh, you need some speed. This will fix you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, everything, anything that's lasting is an inside job. I love it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to see you and hear you as always. And I look forward to doing this again in the future. Me as well. Thank you so much. Bye now, everybody.